And that guy's gonna dance! Hit it! Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Oh, it's a jolly holiday for Mary. Now approaching Tomorrowland Interplanetary Convention Center. Now don't go away because we have some very special entertainment to follow. W Radio. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 541, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks or Disney Cruise Line, but I'm also here to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my live videos every Wednesday night on Facebook, books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com and be part of the community and conversation over on Facebook by going to www.radio.com slash community. I am so excited to be joined this week by my friend and fellow Disney and Marvel geek, Brian Crosby. Today, he is the creative director for Marvel-themed entertainment, and he's going to share his story back from when he was a comic-loving kid with a dream and how it led him to his roles as a Disney artist and helping to launch the Disney Kingdom's line of comic books and the many projects he worked on at Walt Disney Imagineering. Brian's going to share how he came to work for Marvel and his current role in the Marvel Universe. We're also going to talk about some of the many projects he and others at Marvel are working on, such as stage shows, walkthrough attractions, exhibits, at sea on the Disney Cruise Line, attractions in Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and Hong Kong, as well as what the future holds for Marvel in the Disney theme parks around the world. Our nerd fest is then going to continue as we also talk about some of the characters in the Marvel Universe and their future roles in the parks, including Spider-Man, the Avengers, Captain Marvel, and maybe what the Fox acquisition just might bring going forward. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose, I can't even call it a challenge, it's going to be the easiest way for your chance to win a Disney slash Marvel Disney Marvel Day at Sea prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about upcoming WWE events, our next meet of the month in February, your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. I've said for years that it's such a good time to be a Disney fan, and in that same vein, I believe now more than ever, it is an amazing, pun intended, time to be a Marvel fan with everything is happening in the MCU, in the parks, the, the, the future of the Disney and Fox deal and all the characters that it's going to be, and this week... Literally, like within 24 hours from when we're recording this, I experienced something in the Marvel Universe that I have never done before and is one of the most truly spectacular things 
and that was Marvel Day at Sea. I will have, or you've already heard, a full review of just what this exceptional cruise on the Disney Magic entailed. But part of what made it exceptional was one of the experiences that we had with someone who is one of the smartest, most talented. I think I can call you a friend at this point, and a friend. He is Brian Crosby, the creative director, is that right, of Marvel-themed entertainer. Brian, it's so good to see you, buddy. Yeah, good to be back, man. I know we've chatted many times, Lou, and it's, it's awesome to talk with you again. And I was trying to think beforehand, you know, sort of as we get to your background, how you and I first connected. Gosh, you, uh, was it at Expo or was it? It might have been the D twenty three Expo. Um, I honestly don't remember. I know we've talked it every. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time, and maybe it was even before you were. Maybe when you're still when at I was WDI. Back in Imagineering, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, I was at Imagineering from 2005 to 2015. Um, so I think sometime in there we yeah. we may have interacted. Yeah. I don't. We'll, know. we'll figure it out. So let's sort of yeah. go. Let's before we sort of talk about what you do now. Let's talk about how you got there and and you know you can go as far back to you know Brian Crosby the little kid with a crayon and a dream all the way up to, to how you got here today yeah well, I mean well I, I I it was kind of that I mean I I grew up uh in Southern California big fan of of comic books of Disneyland all those things so um you know that stuff was always kind of in my DNA um you know I I I remember I told a story about how when I would go to Disneyland, my parents would take me once a year, and I had this Pirates of the Caribbean book. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You open up the front cover, and it had the full map of the attraction. I remember just tracing that with my finger and imagining the things that I was going to see that day, even though I'd been on the ride a million times. Um, but uh, So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to one day turn kind of those passions into... Uh, into a career, and so uh, in 2005, I started working at Walt Disney Imagineering, and I was uh, I was an intern initially at the art line. Wait, wait, you can't just say I started working at an Imagineering. Hey, I mean, there's up. there's a just right to show up and say, don't you know who I am? You know, how do you get there? Because because yeah. I remember, and I've no, and I obviously I know the story, but I remember sort of one of the, some of the things that Imagineering was doing to find talent like you. Yeah, um, there was a competition called uh, Imaginations, and this is a, it's an annual competition that Imagineering does. To find kind of new, diverse talent from all over the world. Um, and a friend of mine, I was actually working as a security guard at <laughs> night uh, and going to school during the day. Uh, I had a young family, had two kids, and uh, a buddy of mine uh, that I'd known for a long time gave me a call and said, Hey, I got this, I heard about this competition that Imagineering is doing. Do you want to enter? I'm like, sure. You know, I, I know what Imagineering is, I was familiar with it, you know. Um, I never thought in a million years it would turn into a career. Um, so we entered. We, we actually came up with an idea for a, a, an attraction based on the Rocketeer. Um, and because uh, we both just loved that film. And I did the, the storyboards for the attraction, but I made it look like a 1930s comic book. And we submitted this into Imagineering, and uh, they liked it. They brought us in, they interviewed us, and. Um, and yeah, it turned into an internship. And so that internship, uh, I was working in the art library and uh, getting to know all the artists working at that time and getting to show them my artwork and getting lots of feedback and things like that. Um, and I was able to make enough contacts that I turned that into a, a full-time job. And so then I, was, I worked in visual imaging production at Imagineering, for, which basically what that means is I was 
putting together presentations for people. So again, not super glamorous, but my foot was in the door. Um, and, but I really wanted to be a designer. And so I just kept working at it. I'd be there all night working on new ideas. Um, anything and everything I could, I could, I could do to show what I was capable of doing and, and doing lots of design and artwork and storyboards and just anything, uh, pitching new ideas. In fact, there's a room, uh, at least there used to be, there's a room in Imagineering that had the kind of the 10 year plan for each park. And I would go in there during the day and look at all the stuff that was coming up like five, six, seven years out that probably nobody was really thinking about yet. And then I'd go to the, the portfolio executive over that park and go, Hey, notice you got a D ticket ride coming in 20, 2013. Do you have you given it any thought? And they oftentimes would say no. Um, and, I'd go back and start working on stuff. And that was how I kind of proved myself, just kind of taking initiative. So even once I got in the door at Imagineering, that was just the beginning of, of really the, the work and really trying to prove myself. Because, um, I mean, you, you've talked to probably many Imagineers over the years, Lou, and, and you know that people don't generally leave if they don't have to. Um, and so people have been there, you know, guys like... Tony Baxter and Joe Rohde and uh, these guys have been there for decades um, and um, and so that's as a new young artist that's a little bit intimidating how do I get my foot in the door how do I become an artist that the, the project managers would, would rely on um, just as a quick aside sorry, sorry. That, that room that you're talking about yeah. all of us mentally are freaking out because that's all that's the room that we wanted the key to just to walk inside and take a look around it as a fan yeah. absolutely that's the room you want to be in and as a because I'm a fan myself and, and you know I would geek out just being in that room and seeing the stuff that was coming up so uh, yeah it's it, it was a pretty cool place to be. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how I, I got into Imagineering. Eventually, after about a year and a half, I got that got that gig as a concept designer. And what were some of the early things that you started working on, you know, theme park wise? Uh, the very first thing I worked on was Finding Nemo: Submarine Voyage for for Disneyland, and uh, I kind of came into that project late. I was working on the model, uh, just doing some paintings and things like, or painting the model, um, and then worked on It's a Small World for Hong Kong. Um, gosh, I worked on uh, a lot of blue sky projects. Um, some that, you know that never saw the light of day. Some that that have um, worked on uh, Tron uh, light cycles. Uh, what's it called? Light cycle run, light cycle power run, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while. Uh, Tron- it's called the really awesome Tron attraction. Yeah. Again, yeah. also Walt Disney World gosh. people. If you're not drooling yet, you know we've talked. I, I, I've ridden yeah. it before overseas and it, it is going to be a game changer when it comes to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to get to experience it here in the States because it, it is a lot of fun. I mean, the vehicles and the music like get you 75% of the way there. I mean, it's it's just awesome to be in that in that vehicle. Um, so yeah, where I done I did some of the storyboarding for that for that attraction. Um, worked on Star Wars quite a bit. I was involved in Star Wars uh, projects for about three years, uh, working on what would later become Galaxy's Edge. Um, but when I was working on it, this was before um, the new films kind of started to take shape, so we didn't really know anything about them. So words like Kylo Ren and Rey and the <laughs> Resistance, those were not words that we even knew. So we were just basing it off of what we knew at the time. Um, but really, I, I kind of found my, my bread and butter working on uh, Marvel projects because, you know, like I said, grew up as a kid reading comics and huge fan of 
of comic books and animation and um, and then you know we all love the Marvel films as well so uh, you know when Disney bought Marvel it was it, it really hit a sweet spot for me yeah I, I could imagine I, and I remember going back to D23 Expo I remember sort of it was right after the announcement had happened it's when I first met Kevin Feige and You've heard the interview with me and Kevin, my embarrassing story about how I didn't even know who he was mm-hmm. when he came over, but how, for those of us who grew up on comic books or Saturday morning, you know, Spider-Man cartoons or whatever it was, um, how that ushered in not just a whole new level of excitement, but opportunity for some of the stuff that we're going to see. So, so tell me, so bring me back to the Marvel deal happens uh, again, from a fan perspective, that came out of nowhere. Nobody heard word one about it. Tell me from a, a, an imagineering perspective how that starts to change in terms of what you guys can do and how you transition from imagineering over to Marvel. Yeah, so I remember when I opened up my computer that morning in 2009, and I don't remember the date exactly, but it was like Christmas morning. Like I honestly could not believe what I was seeing. It was, you know, we, we, I'd open up my, I was at WDI, open up my, my computer and there it was the Disney logo and the Marvel logo together. And I couldn't even comprehend it. I was so excited at what that could mean for us. Like I, I didn't even understand. I'm like, what, what does this mean? Like, what are we going to get to do? Like, this is just awesome. And, uh, Imagineering, there was kind of this buzz happening uh, about what Marvel was. Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk had come out. So three films already were, were really kind of, you know, staking that, that starting to begin the, what would become the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and uh, so we brought in the author of the Marvel Encyclopedia, that giant, you know, tome of a book, um, to come and speak to the Imagineers. And so we, we all gathered together in this giant presentation room um, at, at WDI. And, you know, all 1,400 of us or whatever packed into this room. I was, like, in the front row, so excited for this. Um, and this guy gets up and starts speaking about the Marvel Universe, kind of doing a Marvel 101. And, you know, he's deep cuts, right? Like, I mean, not deep cuts if you're a Marvel comic book fan, but, if, but you know, it was like the Dark Phoenix saga and things like that. And I'm just right there with him. I'm following every word. I'm loving it. And I distinctly remember turning around to see if the other Imagineers were as excited as I was. And they were not. And the room started to get deflated. I think people started to check out and feel like the Marvel Universe is too big. It's too nerdy. I don't know what this is. And I think most kind of disconnected. And at first... Because well, it was also... It's before comics and the movies got to be cool again. You know, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, being a comic fan is the new black. Exactly, exactly. Like, Iron, Iron Man was, was a huge hit. And, but most people... I mean, now Tony Stark is part of our, like, it's part of the zeitgeist. Everybody, my grandmother can tell you who Tony Stark is. But in 2007, before the movie comes out, in 2008, you know, most people didn't, didn't really know who Tony Stark was, let alone Thor and Asgard and, you know, <laughs> Captain America. Like, most people couldn't even articulate who these characters were. They might know the iconography or have seen them, but they didn't really know them. So outside of, like, Spider-Man, like, the X-Men, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the Hulk. That was, like, superheroes, right? Um, but to us um, comic book fans... You know. and, it was, and, and it was superheroes 
it's for kids. It was something for kids. Yeah. It wasn't really for adults. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, again, I was initially disappointed that Imagineering wasn't as generally as excited as I was. But that's when the light went off in my head that this is um, an opportunity for me as something that I'm passionate about, something I know, something I understand. In fact, I had working as a concept designer at WDI, I was told frequently that my, my style was a little too comic booky. Um, and so I wasn't having a lot of work, having, uh, getting a lot of work at, at certain points. Um, and so this was perfect, like perfect for me. So I just started working on anything and everything Marvel I could come up with, you know, as small as a churro cart, as big as a full park, like anything I could come up with, just throwing anything at the wall, hoping things would stick coming up with philosophies of how Marvel could be integrated into the parks. Uh, I just made that my mission to really own it. And, um, and so I, I, I was pretty much put on just about every Marvel project that was happening in WDI, whether I forced myself into it or was asked to be a part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually that led to us doing some, some early attractions like the Iron Man experience. So I want to I back up just a little bit because your connection to comic books goes beyond little Brian Crosby going to the, the corner store to buy comic books and because you uh, helped to create or were very much a part of the, of the team that created the Disney Kingdoms line of comic books going back is it 2013 somewhere around yeah, yeah, yeah I couldn't tell you dates <laughs> dates are rough for me but uh, but yeah we we um you know, comics is you know I'm 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 the kind of guy that's I'm still at the comic book store every Wednesday getting a, getting my books you know, um, and I, I read my Marvel comics every week, um, so comics are definitely a part of my DNA. That, in fact, before I became an Imagineer, that's what I really wanted to be. I wanted to be a comic book artist, um, and I was that. I worked on some small press comics for a few years. Didn't make much money, so it was really hard. But so I went back to school and you know studied some other things to try and kind of broaden my portfolio. Um, but comics was really my my first love, and um, so when when Disney did buy Marvel, um, like I said, we had already started a lot of talk about what Disney could do with the Marvel brand, but nobody was asking the question in reverse, like what could Marvel do with the Disney brand. Um, and so Marvel really being, uh, you know, uh, the house of ideas for, you know, in terms of comic book publishing, um, you know, dawned on us, hey, what if we made Marvel comics but used Disney attractions as kind of the basis for those stories? Um, and so we looked at things like Pirates of the Caribbean and what it, what it became as a film where you kind of, if you look at the movies, you know, you do a deeper dive into who the you know, what those worlds are, what those environments are, create new characters like Jack Sparrow and whatnot, and you get to create this new mythology with touch points back to the attraction. And we thought we could do the same thing, maybe not with a big budget movie, but we could do it in a comic book. And so that was the pitch. So we took it to Tom Staggs um, and said, this is what we want to do. And, he, and he's like, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. You know, what do we have to lose? Nothing. Um, and so for, uh, you know, pretty minimal investment, uh, comparatively to doing a big budget film or an attraction, uh, it was an easy way to, you know, kind of broaden these stories, create new characters, and uh, kind of get something more out of the the attractions uh, IP, if you will, the intellectual property of them. Um, so, Secrets of the Weird was the first, uh, based off of the the Museum of the Weird, which I'm sure your listeners know that story very well. 
Yeah, and, and and if you've never seen or read any of these comics, you, you should go back because in addition to that, there was Big Thunder Mountain, Haunted Mansion, and Chanatiki Room. And I think one of the ones that got a lot of people very excited was the Figment series of comics. He, You talk about an iconic character, one that is is beloved not by you know the the nostalgics but the the figment presence and and what dreamfinder was and what he is in the comics i think got a lot of people very very excited to to be able to have additional stories with that character yeah in fact that that story we did we did two editions of it to a, a mini series of figment um if you read them, they're really more Dreamfinder stories. Uh, Figment's a big part of it, obviously. Um, you get to see the kind of the the origins of you know how Dreamfinder comes up with Figment in the context of that narrative. But it really is it's the origin story of Dreamfinder, which was a lot of fun to kind of dive in. And I remember reading, um, and, I, and I believe the quote was attributed to you. And, and I, if whether it was or wasn't, I, I dug the idea that that those comic book stories could lead to something that could be adapted to TV or films or, or something, depending on how well they would be, received, be, would be received by the comic book readers themselves. Well, that was our, that was our hidden agenda. <laughs> um, I mean, because we, we didn't have a lot of say over what kind of comics Marvel was going to make, but because, you know, I was in the attractions business, you know, I was an Imagineer. And so uh, we had wanted to make, the, you know, create the Museum of the Weird, uh, for real, you know, this was a small kind of group of us Imagineers that were really passionate about the the story of Museum of the Weird. Went and spoke with Rolly Crump, you know, in creating the comic book, and went to his house and sat with him and talked, kind of picked his brain about the Museum of the Weird and that whole idea. And uh, and uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought. But <laughs> anyway, uh, gosh, what was I talking about? So the, the 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 secrets of the weird and how the comics could potentially translate oh, yeah, to something yeah. else. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So yeah, so uh, we're recording this at midnight, by the way, after a five-day yeah, cruise. I know, <laughs> I, I, know I apologize. Uh, yeah, so we thought if if we could turn this into a franchise, you know, whether you know maybe maybe the comic book becomes really popular, and then maybe they make a movie of that thing. And then it would be re- a lot easier to convince people to make the Museum of the Weird into an attraction. Um, this, it, so that was kind of our hidden agenda. And it didn't, didn't quite play out that way. Um, you know, it's still kind of one of the attractions I'd love to do at some point. But, uh, but nevertheless, we got to make a great line of comic books that we're, you know, really happy with. Yeah. And they're beautiful, too. Um, and I think they're, they're available, like, in the hardback, yeah. ed- you know, editions as well, too. So you can still find them. So, okay, so the, the Marvel deal goes through. They're like, all right, Brian's the big nerd. All right, Brian, you, how does it start to say, okay, we, we have access to most of, what is it, 9,000 or so characters. How do they say, okay, how do we start to leverage these characters and bring them to life beyond the screen but into theme park experiences? Well, it, it was hard because we... You know, I mentioned earlier that we had to come up with some philosophy as to how you would go about doing that. The Marvel characters, what makes them uh, so relatable is that they, in large part, take place in our world, in the here and now. Um, You know, Peter Parker could very well go to Disneyland. In fact, I believe there's an issue from, like, 1986 where he and Mary Jane actually do go to Disneyland. And they ride an early version of Splash Mountain... Before it was Splash Mountain even existed, it's a log flume ride that they go on, and it's it's weird because it looks nothing like Disneyland in the book, because it's got like a chain link fence 
that you see like around it. It's which, like Bizarro Disneyland. It's totally Bizarro. <laughs> yeah, totally Bizarro Disneyland. Um, but anyways, they're on this log flume ride. So you're like, whoever was writing, drawing this at the time, like had not done the, their homework, right? Uh, so it cracked me up. But they, they were supposed to be at Disneyland, and you see them go to the castle and everything. And uh, I, so I found this book, and I was like, see, they, Peter Parker could go here. So that immediately changes how we would tackle this. Um, you know, uh, Tony Stark can go to can go to a Yankee game. He can, they can do the things that we do. And so that um, immediately changed the way we had to think about this. Because, I mean, you know, I always tell the story that, you know, as you guys know, when you walk into, the, walk into Disneyland, you walk through that tunnel and here you leave today and enter the worlds of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. Uh, but in the Marvel Universe... That's today. So this is the opposite of everything that we try to do at Disney, right? Um, so with um, with the Iron Man experience, that would became our, our first attraction that we were really going to tackle. We said, Tony Stark probably knows he's here. He knows he's at Hong Kong Disneyland. And so what does that mean? And why would he choose this place? And uh, fortunately, Iron Man 2 had come out and the Stark Expo, the, the notion of the Stark Expo was introduced, and that became a great um, kind of story hook for us to say, well, that could be a, a, a pseudo, quote-unquote, temporary thing that Tony Stark would bring the Stark Expo to Hong Kong Disneyland. And in our attraction, in a very Mission to Mars-like way, we're going to fly up and out over the attraction, which I, because I, I loved Mission to Mars as a kid, and and when you pulled up and you saw Disneyland as you were flying backwards, I always thought that was cool and it added to the believability of it, um, and so that's where we got the inspiration for that. And I remember riding that attraction and and with coming to my Mission son, to Mars or Iron Man experience. Well, <laughs> Mission to Mars and Flight to the Moon, um, you know, in in the early Flight yeah. to the Moon, but when I was in Hong Kong, I'm like, this is so different because they're acknowledging where they are, which no other attraction other than maybe Stitch's Great Escape really did. Um, and it was it was sort of um, it was a very different way to approach it. And, and again, being the Marvel fan and being able to walk through things that you saw referenced in the films and it, it was um, the, the queue itself was like a little treasure hunt trying to find some of those things. And I'm like I walked out, wowed, not by the attraction in and of itself, and obviously the, the wonderful gift shop that followed, but <laughs> the possibilities of what that was going to open up going forward. Yeah, and and, uh, and one of the hallmarks of any of the of the Marvel universe, and you know now the the general public is very well aware of the connectivity of it all. Um, you know through the Marvel Studios films, that's kind of ca- you know, made broader awareness of what what is the Marvel Universe that all these stories are connected uh, you know Stan and Jack and Steve Ditko and, and all those early creators did with the Marvel Universe they, they interwove all these ideas um, so we thought hey with our attractions these should all be connected in some way so each of our attractions up to this point and probably moving forward um, there are easter eggs to other pieces of uh, Marvel attractions that are around the world um, and so I mean even if you and if you go on uh, so if you go on the Iron Man experience you will see an easter egg in there there's a Daily Bugle newspaper in one of the clips that has that's showcasing the uh, the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout attraction it says Breakout and it's got a picture of the Collector's Fortress on it 
Um, so it's connected. And then if you go to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, it's hidden very well. But there's a Stark Expo, um, I believe it's a sticker or bumper sticker in, in one of the lockers or something like that. Um, Game on. I'm, I'm up yeah. now. I'm now. I know yeah. what the challenge is. Yeah. So it's it's loosely connected. But I mean, even when you're on the attraction, at, there's one version where when you're when you go up. Uh, Rocket goes, hey, is that Disneyland? So again, another acknowledgement that it's in our world. So just a quick question about Hong Kong and opening up the first Marvel attraction overseas. Was there any challenges in terms of an international audience and familiarity with either the comic books or the stories or the characters? Yeah, for sure. In fact, that attraction originally, we were working on bringing Star Tours over there. And so I'd done a number of designs on uh, what Star Tours might look like in Hong Kong Disneyland, but we quickly got some feedback that in Hong Kong they weren't they weren't super nostalgic or had that level of affinity yet for Star Wars, but they were really digging the Marvel the Marvel films. Uh, but they do know the films first, so less so less knowledge about the comic books. So with Iron Man experience. Our, our primary concern was that people understood that he was not a robot, but that he was a, a guy who put on a suit. And so when you go through the queue, we are very deliberate in explaining who Tony Stark is, who Howard Stark is, uh, that Howard was passionate about flight through the, the hover car, through uh, energy with the arc reactor, and through protection with his involvement in Project Rebirth. And so those things were the three ideas that Howard was really passionate about that we saw in, in some of those films. And then if you think about those three ideas, protection, energy, and mobility, you combine them all, and you kind of get Iron Man. Protection, the armor, flight, mobility, he flies, and energy, the RT in his chest. And so... Our story is that the future of Stark Industries is about sharing those three ideas with the world, protection, energy, and mobility. So the queue tells that Stark Expo narrative about what today's Stark Industries is. And so we are very much talking about Tony and Stark in the queue, and part of that is explaining what the Iron Wing vehicle is and things like that. Yeah, it, as you say that, it all starts to sort of make sense as I play it back. But that sort of was the, the first big domino to fall in terms of taking the Marvel experience not just out of the pages of the comic books, but off the screen itself. What 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 is what's next that after Iron Man in terms of chronology for theme park attractions? The next attraction after that, uh, we did we did some smaller things. Um, you know, I think we, gosh, I, I don't have the exact chronology in my head but I know we did some character uh, meet and greets or heroic encounters as we call them now um, but the next big attraction was Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout uh, in Anaheim and which when it was announced yeah. there were some people <clears throat> if you've been on the Twitter that were a little <laughs> concerned about, about that yeah I think every version of social media uh, <laughs> let us know that this was not a super popular decision um, but we believed in, in the story that we had, and and we thought that's part of our challenge. That's part of our mandate is to refresh things, keep them interesting, deliver on something that's as good, if not greater, than what was there before. Um, and that was the that was the challenge that was given to us was to create something new and and turn that into a, a, a superhero attraction. And Guardians is, I thought, was the perfect one 
especially for a place like Disneyland, because of all the Marvel films, I think Guardians is the one, first of all, was the most unexpected, because unless you were a huge comic book nerd, you didn't know who those characters were, but it resonated not just with the comic book nostalgics that, that had read the Guardians comics, but it was one that families, and especially a lot of kids, really sort of latched onto. So I'm like, this is the perfect one to sort of start bringing those experiences into the parks. And I think a lot of those people were very quickly silenced, and you never heard from them again because the attraction's remarkable. I'm, I was a huge Tower fan, but the, from the first time I wrote it by myself and then with other people, people see, keep saying the same thing. It's a party and an attraction. And there's so much to enjoy from the nerdy Marvel side to the stuff in the queue to the rewritability factor. Yeah, and I, I think a, a lot of that is a testament to James Gunn and what he did you know, with Star-Lord as a character, with Peter Quill. Um, I think you know, opening up that first film with him as a boy and dealing with his mom's terminal cancer... I fast-forward to that every time. Sorry. <laughs> But that, and then using the mixtape that she gives him as the soundtrack for the film, grounded a very bizarre cosmic story in a, in a very human experience. And, and that is so quintessentially Marvel. It's like we start with the human first. You put the human and the superhuman. And it's that gave you that earthbound human connection to Peter Quill. Um, and so You cared about him from the very beginning. Yeah. And, and that was not something that, I mean, Peter Quill, Star-Lord's been in the comics for, for quite a while. But that element of him was new to, you know, from the film. And I think that really helped people kind of latch on to this story. And so when we, when we were creating the attraction, we knew the music was going to be a hugely important part because um, it it gives everybody kind of a level playing field. Like we, you know, there's a, there's a lot of nostalgia for some of those songs, 60s, 70s, 80s uh, music, um, and so we knew that was going to be a big a big element of this for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's music that you know I just unlocked level 50, so it's it's music <laughs> I grew up with. But my kids, especially my son, like the Spotify playlist is all the music from Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, we sort of listen to that on repeat every time we're, we're in the car. Um, so what else? Because the, the Marvel experiences are not necessarily limited to theme parks, right? There, there's, there's been traveling exhibits and shows throughout for a number of years. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, Marvel-themed entertainment. We, I mean, we're really the, the newest division at Marvel. Um, and it, it's kind of a... It's, it's an exciting time because it's, it's, a, it's a bit daunting, but it's also a, a blessing that we have this IP, this, this set of characters, 8 to 9,000, like you mentioned, that have been around for uh, some as, as long as 80 years now. Um, and we get to now tell stories of those characters in ways that people have never experienced them before. Um, you know, the, we've read the comics, we've seen the movies. We're we're now playing the video games. I mean, hello, Spider Man. Like, oh. who hasn't? <laughs> we could talk about that all night, right? I mean, the Spider Man game just really they crushed it. Um, and so, with these attractions, we're trying to deliver on big, epic human stories in the same way that you know any other Marvel story would be um, and so that's exciting so yeah so we're not just doing that in the Disney theme parks but uh, doing that with 
uh, traveling shows like Marvel Universe Live and uh, Avenger Station, which you can go check out in Las Vegas, and the Marvel Experience, which is currently in Thailand, and uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of things that we're doing to bring these characters to life, and it's so it's it's exciting to you know see the Marvel brand starting giving people touch points to the brand uh, all over the world because I mean unfortunately not everybody can make it out to a theme park. Um, and who knows how many attractions we actually get to make in, in a number of years. But these these larger Marvel Universe touch points give people access to those characters uh, anytime. So, yeah. It's yeah, and Marvel Universe Live is something that, you know, hopefully I'm going to get a chance to see. It's just never sort of our, our paths never crossed. But I got to see something that I loved. So this past year we did a group cruise to Alaska. We flew into Seattle first, took the train to Seattle. If you've never done it, you've got to do that cruise. And one of the things I was most excited to go see was the Mopop exhibit. The only thing in that entire museum that we went to was the Marvel exhibit, which Alaska was was arguably, and maybe up until this one, the best cruise I, I ever took. The Mopop exhibit, I could have gone to the Mopop exhibit and gone home. That's how good it was. Yeah, that was a, a project we worked on um, with SC Exhibitions, um, and it just was a ton of fun. And I think it, if you're a Marvel fan, I mean, you've done it. It, it. I think it checks every box. It's yeah. it's got original artwork. It's got props and costumes from the films. So much narrative and story. I mean, you could you could spend all day just in that exhibit. <laughs> we did. Um, I mean, that museum is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, when I was there for the opening, it was at the tail end of the Star Trek exhibit, which is even if you're not a Star Trek nerd, like it's awesome. It was an awesome exhibit. It was closed when we went, but... Uh, it was so good. Yeah. Uh, but everything they do there is just great. I mean, I, I really fell in love with that museum, and I've only been there once, you know, for the Mar- for the Marvel stuff. Um, but yeah, really proud of that exhibit. Um, unfortunately, it's only going to be in Mopop for just a, a, short, a short time more. And then, but, we're, but it's not going away. We're taking it to Philadelphia, so it's going to be in the Franklin Institute beginning in, like, April. Yeah, like, first week of April, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's if, if you have occasion to go see it or are looking for something to do for a day or a weekend, it is absolutely worth the price of admission. And, and if you're a Marvel fan like us, we didn't go see anything else. You know, with all due respect to everything else in the in the building, it was incredible to, to see it and get up close to, to some of that cool stuff. Yeah, and, and we're gonna be um, we're gonna be continuing to add new things to it um, as we go. We just added uh, the first step. You know, w- there's some great photo ops in there. There's one of the thing, the sleeping thing, um, which is a display showcasing the world outside your window. Which, if you interview anybody from Marvel, nine times out of ten, you're guaranteed at some point they're gonna say Marvel is the world outside your window um, because that it, that's really what it is, right? Um, and so we brought that to life in a, in a very physical way with you're in the living room of the Fantastic Four. The thing is asleep. Um, and outside the window is like the world is is going to heck in a handbasket. You know, Galactus shows up, Silver Surfer, <laughs> Thor, uh, Captain Marvel. It, it's super cool. Um, but So that photo op's been immensely popular. And we're, we've just added a new one with Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. So we brought her to life in a dimensional way for the first time, and she's got her embiggened fist and all that. Um, so throughout the year, um, this is going to be a big year for all of us at Marvel with the 80th anniversary, going back to 1939, Marvel Comics number one, um, and we're going to be doing a, a lot of events to celebrate that at the Franklin Institute. That's awesome. I, we, we might need to take a special trip up to 
Philadelphia. Just I, my son's eyes just bugged out of his head. Um, <laughs> but speaking of which, we're talking about it in the theme parks, and we'll touch a little bit about what we know is coming that you can sort of mention. But we're on the Disney Magic, unfortunately, the last day. Insert sad face um, for. I guess this is the first sailing for this season of Marvel Day at Sea. This is the very first time I have ever done it before. I'm here in sort of a father-son <clears throat> podcaster and assistant trip. Um, and I will tell you, we have been blown away by what we saw. I came in with no knowledge of what or expectations of what's going on. Can you tell me a little bit about bringing the Marvel experience to sea and, and what is sort of new this season? Yeah, and this has just been uh, a labor of love because um, the Disney Cruise Line is amazing. Everybody involved with the cruise line is, is fantastic. And, and that's not me being a homer for Disney Marvel at all. Uh, just everybody involved in the, the folks from Disney Live Entertainment um, that we work with on, on all of the Marvel offerings, uh, they're just top notch and super passionate about. I think you got to speak with Tony Giordano. Um, and Dan Fields, I mean, two of my favorite people on the planet. They just, they really love the characters and love Marvel, love helping bring them to life. Um, and so it's been a pleasure working with them on all of this stuff. So um, the Heroes Unite uh, show, uh, spectacular at the end of the night, is not to be missed. Um, it's just been, it's, it's just been awesome. Wait, I, I have to stop you because yeah. you're, you're the Marvel guy saying, oh, you can't miss the superhero. If if I haven't recorded the recap yet, so I don't know when this is going to air in relation to that. Again, Nicholas and I had no... We had been enjoying the the day full of events. And, and let's, let me even sort of step back for a second. I had been on other ships where they had Avengers Academy. Um, we've done group cruises where we will take over the kids' club at midnight. And I love watching the adults go in, doing the Iron Man sort of virtual experience and... and we got to meet Spider-Man, you know, last time. Throughout the day, the, the, the schedule was packed in a wonderful way with character interactions and, and shows, and even shows out on deck. The show at night that really is the incredible ice. My son's shaking his head. It blew us away. I'm not saying this because you're sitting here. That was, without question, one of the best stage shows I've seen, not just at sea, but in a theme park as well. It was full of surprises. It played to both kids and adults, to the hardcore Marvel fans and the person who just saw the, a film for the first time. It was Spectacular, amazing! I'll use all the Spider-Manisms, but it, it really it was. Uh, well, I'm 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 glad you felt that way because I mean we we had so much fun bringing it to bringing it to life. I think you know I'm really proud of the way it. The stunts are awesome, but the the seamless blending of media, of live stunts, of fireworks. It's kind of taking all of our our tool of tricks and and you know and bringing them all together into one one show. So it, I I am super proud of it. And what we've updated this year is we've introduced our brand new our brand new character Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers is now a part of that show. So she makes her uh, very spectacular <laughs> appearance. I yeah, might add. Yeah, spectacular is a good way to put it. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it although I am going to upload it because you have to watch it because it's so good <laughs> but there were a number of moments there that were very surprising in, in a wonderful way and I lo- I've never seen fireworks integrated into a show where what they're doing on stage connects which, and I'm like it's so simple 
but it's so smart and it's sort of it's not like oh fireworks after the show it's fireworks are part of what is happening on the stage in front of you yeah yeah so that i that was that's all the live entertainment team that was their idea um and i'm just super happy with how it how it all played out and and of course stan uh does make an appearance in that show uh spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> um and it got an appropriate response i think it got some it got an, uh, a full applause yeah. when stan showed up so yeah it's 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 a great show um and and even the red skull uh makes an appearance so and he's that's the only place you can see the red skull throughout the week or throughout the day excuse me and i and so that was spoiler alert that was the thing i didn't and i'm like oh that's awesome like i was i'm trying to focus on Watching it and taking it all in and videotaping and then turning around to like to match eyes with my son because it was that that OMG moment like it's the red skull like and he, yeah it was it was it's incredible yeah well I thank you I'm glad you <laughs> dug it I'm glad you guys liked it like I'm like okay I can go home right but it it, it was really the perfect way to uh, to end the the cruise and what I love about the Marvel Day at Sea is I think you. I assume very intentionally make sure there's things for smaller kids to do, the middle, the the the, the teenagers, the adults, the comic book nerds, and sort of everybody in between. Um, the day was packed, but we didn't, you know, we didn't want it to end at the end of the night. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're very well aware of of the the demographics that we have and people that that. We want to make sure everybody has a touch point to the Marvel brand, no matter how deep your level of knowledge. In fact, we have one show here on the on the ship called Marvel Origins that if you're not super familiar with the characters, you can go in there and kind of get a Marvel 101. And our our, our friends over at Marvel.com, uh, Ryan Panagos and Lorraine Sink, uh, do a great job of kind of running down who all of the, the characters are, at least kind of the core characters. Um, so if you're, if you're coming in at, at zero and you just want to, you know, get familiar with the Marvel characters, it's a great place to do it. And of course, you know, you can see the Marvel films uh, on your on your room in your stateroom or go and watch them here in the, in the theater. Theater. Uh, uh, I think we were showing Infinity War even at some points in Ant Man and the Wasp. So uh, yeah, it's really there's just something for everybody. You know, whatever your level of fandom, even all the way down to the diaper dash that is Marvel themed. Which if you don't know what a diaper dash is, it's baby ba- babies racing. Um, and so we have something that's for everybody. And that's, I mean, we do that at Marvel anyway, whether it's animation or film or comics or video games or theme park attractions. Hopefully there's some touch point to all of these characters. And it, it speaks to the, the flexibility and malleability of the Marvel characters. If you think about it, let's just take Spider-Man, your guy, right, as a, as a test case. Um, there's a Spider-Man for everyone, there's a spider, you know, whether it's in film or it's, you know, the Spider-Man animated series on Disney XD or you're a hardcore gamer and you want to play that Spider-Man game or you want to go see Spider-Man Homecoming or Far From Home, you know, later this year. There's something for everyone, you know, whatever your level of, of interest in Spider-Man. And so I think that's really something we're, we're really trying to do. And we have, we have so much more to come uh, with all of those characters. I think people are really going to dig. Yeah, I'm, I'm wiping the drool off my... I mean, d- even the menu... Like, the food is themed and the drinks are themed. <laughs> I wanted to take home the menu because it's made like it's a comic book. Like, it it was beautiful and it just got me sort of excited about everything. But I think to your point, it is, you know, it's all connected. It's, we've, we've heard about this for, for so long. And this really is part of this global, you know, 
Avengers initiative, as it were. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that what we're seeing now is just very much the tip of the iceberg. That that what we saw in Hong Kong was that first domino, was that first step. We now know a little bit about what is coming. We we seen content. I'm getting excited for. We've seen the show building, the massive show building go up for Guardians of the Galaxy at Epcot. We understand that that the ride technology is going to be different. And I may have actually shed a silent tear when I saw some of the concept art come out for what's coming out to California. Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you so much about what, what's coming. Um, but I, I will tell you this. A lesson I learned from Someone you know very well, one of my mentors, uh, Joe Rohde, uh, he taught me that, and something I had never thought about until he articulated it to me, was that the guest is the protagonist of every attraction story. And and after he said it, I was like, you're absolutely right. You know, when you ride Space Mountain, you are the one sitting in the rocket ship. You're the star. You're not watching them it, watching it unfold on a screen or on a page you are the star of the story. When you're on Indiana Jones, you're riding in that vehicle. When you're on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, you're riding in that runaway, you know, uh, railroad car. So it, with a Marvel story and a Marvel attraction, we have to do that, which is different for us. We have to flip the paradigm because you're no longer watching passively Iron Man save the day up on screen. You have to be there with him. And that goes back to the Iron Man experience where you are there at the Stark Expo. Iron Man addresses you and makes you a part of the narrative and you help save the day. In Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, Rocket recruits you, the people, to help liberate the Guardians of the Galaxy from their captivity with the Collector. So what we're doing with these lands moving forward is taking that to an even higher level and that it's your origin story, it's about you, it's recruitment. And these are going to be places where you're going to get to figure out who you are and what your role is in this whole Marvel Universe. So it's exciting. Yeah, so this idea that there are, there's headquarters and technology sharing exhibits and allow, look, anybody can be Spider-Man. It's, it's allowing anybody to be a superhero. And obviously, I don't want any spoilers. I mean, I'd love a spoiler, but I don't want any spoilers. But in terms of what we know that's been announced that's coming, just to sort of tie it in a bow for those people know, because there is a lot that has already been revealed that's coming, not just domestically, but internationally, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few things that are out there. I think, you know, what has been acknowledged, we haven't named anything yet or acknowledged what the, what the menus are going to be, but these, uh, these training centers, if you will, um, there is a connection to Tony Stark and Tony Stark working with and for the Avengers and kind of creating these places, these places of learning um, and technology. Um, and there's some other uh, organizations that are going to be a part of that. Uh, certainly, uh, PimTech is going to be involved. Uh, a new organization called the Worldwide Engineering Brigade is going to be involved. Um, so there is definitely some very cool things that are going to be new uh, and familiar uh, plenty of Easter eggs back to the Marvel Universe. Um, there's just going to be a ton there for people to, to kind of dive in and explore. I'm, I'm happy we're doing this in person so you can see my smile widen <laughs> as you're talking because this is what, you know, sev- little seven-year-old, 50-year-old Lou Mangiello always wanted is the, and all, I think, comic book fans, we want to sort of step 
into that world and be able to live and breathe and interact with these characters and going back to God. yeah no that's well that's the challenge right is like we have to create something that seven year old Lou Mangello will love and also whatever age you are now Lou Mangello <laughs> uh, will also love but also somebody that doesn't necessarily have that same level of familiarity with the Marvel Universe that they can come in at, at zero and and get the same thing out of it and I think uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is really doing something unique and creating a completely new planet. Um, it kind of puts everybody on a level playing field, right? So if, if if you create, let's say, Tatooine, for the Star Wars fans, there's a built-in level of expectation of what that means, right? And you come in with certain, like, there, this needs to go, this hallway <laughs> has to go a certain way, or it's not right, or you've messed up. But if you create a new planet nobody knows anything. You're exploring it for the first time. And so for all intents and purposes, that is how it is, right? Um, and so for the Marvel Universe, we need to kind of put ourselves in the same situation is give everybody the same entry point. So the, the super fans will certainly be in on it and, and have a deeper level of, of knowledge of what's going on. But for those who are just coming in for the first time, they're going to find something there for them too. And I think that, well, that brings, like you said, additional challenges because, like Disney, of paramount importance is things of, like character integrity. So you have to sort of be able to balance integrity and consistency across all these platforms and venues. And, and you, as creative director, I assume that's a big part of your role is it, Spider-Man, for example. Spider-Man exists in many different forms in many different worlds. How do you sort of ensure that for the guest they understand, you know, what Spider-Man it is and what world he lives in. How do you sort of balance coordinating, you know, the MCU with the TV and the comics and, and everything that's going on in these different worlds? I think we, we don't get hung up on continuity. If there's something that Marvel Comics has taught us is that the Marvel Universe has the ability to still be one long narrative but also refresh itself from time to time um, and so in that way it remains timeless um, you know if, if we try to really be at, at a certain point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Marvel Comic Book Universe we're actually doing ourselves and everybody else a, a disservice because then then you're locked into that, that time frame right um, so I think the more we can be timeless and less timely um, the the better off we'll be because these are theme park attractions that may go untouched for 10, 15 20, 25 years, who knows how long uh, they might get updated, you never know um, but we've got to give them the longest possible uh, shelf life, so we are not really tapping into one particular continuity uh, there's certainly going to be a lot of sharings with what's happening with the Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of uh, leveraging the actors where we can um, so I think you know we've had the blessing of being able to use them for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and for Ant-Man and the Wasp Nan- Nano Battle um, and you know I mean they're bringing these characters to life in new ways and introducing them to a lot of people so if we can use them we absolutely will um, but we're trying to not necessarily hook into one point in the timeline um, so we have a little bit of flexibility in that way so it's, I'm just realizing for some reason that you obviously have to know to a certain degree a lot of what's coming or being planned so now I'm staring into your eyes trying to read your mind in terms <laughs> of what's coming in the MCU and then how you can sort of take 
those characters and stories. And I think, to a large part, too, new technology and bring that into the park. Because I think what has been happening over the last number of years is, is this continuing trend towards getting away from a, a passive experience. We don't want to go to a park and watch a story. We want to be part of it. And then how that experience could be more interactive and, and personalized for the guest as well. Yeah, I think uh, my role really is to be the the Marvel partner, right, for, for Imagineering or for whoever else we're working with. Um, and it kind of really helped from the the inception of the idea um, as we craft that story, break that story together, and then help guide it all the way through to opening day through marketing initiatives and things like that. Um, and so what I do is, you know, we have these these summits that we do um, at Marvel uh, at, every year where we all get together, every line of business, and so we know what's happening in games, we know what's happening in comics. Um, I go to several creative retreats with the Marvel Comics folks uh, throughout the year, so I know what's coming up for the next six months, year, 18 months in Marvel Comics. Um, and these summits are really helpful because they give us all, all of us that are working on Marvel content give us kind of this foundation of knowing where the brand is heading for the, at least the next year. Um, and so as we craft our stories in our respective mediums, we are cognizant of what's happening around the Marvel universe. So not that we necessarily are trying to like sink in. And sometimes we are like, oh, that's coming up. Oh, that's exciting. That mo- you're, oh, you're going to do that movie? Oh, my gosh great maybe if we did this here that could help you know plant C. so that part that is some of the most fun uh stuff so I, I love sitting in the the creative retreats and the summits um just hearing about everything that people are working on around the marvel universe dude no joke you have the best job on the because you know kevin feige he's you know he leads the marvels he's like wow that's a cool job or bob Iger leads the theme parks you literally have your hands in all of the Marvel geeky goodness that's going on in everything. You're my superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, Lou, I, I'm a, nerding out about it as much as you are because um, I'm 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 100% a fanboy, and so yeah, I, I, I geek out hearing everything that's that's going on, and so it is it is super fun. I, I wouldn't steer you wrong. There is no better time to be a Marvel fan. This is there's so much awesome stuff coming. I mean, we've we've experienced a lot of awesome up to this point, but like where we're going yeah. from here on out is just going to be a blast. So uh, in every medium. So read your comics, kids. <laughs> Play your video games, kids. Watch your movies. Yeah. Go to the theme parks. Like there's so much to do. So many ways to to consume and be a Marvel fan. It's just an awesome time. Yeah, I, I agree. And and we recently went to go see, for the second time so far, the latest Spider-Man film, and, and went with a bunch of kids. And I went to the comic book store. Nicholas and I go every so often, and I bought him a bunch of comic books because I wanted the the movie to sort of be the introduction to the comic books, and hopefully the comic books be the introduction to something to a, a, a much larger world. And to that point, and I'm obviously not going to ask you to speculate on anything other than from a personal level but you know I think they're about to put pen to paper as the time of recording on the Fox deal which now opens up uh, so many more worlds because I think so many more characters are going to return home where they can't belong and I know you can't speak to it but again from the, the comic book fan this has to be exciting and from a business perspective almost overwhelming at the same time because now you have all these new characters going to come back 
and hopefully interact in these worlds with the characters that we know and love. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really, we haven't been able to fully dive into what that's going to mean for us just yet, because um, we, it's not, you know, it's not official, 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 official. Uh, but we're super close, from what I understand. Um, so we're all just waiting, you know, just like you guys are, uh, for us to get that green light, and we can really start to dive into what that's going to mean. Uh, for all the different lines of business. But, I mean, we're still, you know, actively creating comics every week based on the X-Men, the Fantastic with Dan Slots, writing the new Fantastic Four book. It's fantastic, no pun intended. Well, kind of pun intended. Um, and it's, a, it's a tremendous book. Um, he did an amazing job on Amazing Spider-Man and now doing a fantastic job on Fantastic Four. See what I did. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, the, and, and Deadpool, of course, uh, the films have been hysterical. The books are great. Um, Scotty Young is currently writing the Deadpool book and just doing a, a tremendous job there. So, I mean, we're, we're working with a lot of those characters already in, in, in certain mediums. Um, so getting to see what that's going to mean across the board um, in the next few years is going to be a lot of fun. As a Spider-Man fan, I just want all the... New York. I want to see Spider-Man and Kingpin and Daredevil. I want them to see all you know on the on screen. I obviously I want to see Spider-Man and Deadpool hug it out. Do, do you have a favorite character, just from a personal perspective? Yeah, yeah. My favorite character is uh, is actually Frank Castle, Punisher. Um, and I, I I'm not going to lie. To you. I, that has not always been my favorite character. I think um, you know I think my char- favorite character kind of changes from time to time. <laughs> Um, but I think what John Bernthal has done with the Punisher has yeah. kind of made him into my current favorite. Um, just such a, it is. It's not for the kids, but it, <laughs> right. but it is because it is so brutal and violent, but also so brilliant, brilliantly crafted as a story. In fact, I'm wearing my Punisher shirt. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I just yeah. I love I love the character. Right, but you had Fantastic Four on yesterday. And right yeah. Now. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, I but I love uh, I love Tony Stark. Love Iron Man. I've you know I've been a fan of his for a long time. And then uh, you know I love Star Lord. Uh, and my dark horse favorite is Moon Knight. I, I really love the character Moon Knight. I think he's I think there's a lot of potential for that character too. And I think to that point, in terms of potential and introducing a character that may not be familiar to the average person, we saw the response here to Captain Marvel and what she is going to represent, not just in terms of who she is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but, and I don't, look, I don't, I don't think it matters one way or the other, but she is a strong female character, just not in her symbolic strength as a female lead, but she's a literal strong superhero in terms of her powers, and she's going to be, a, I think she's going to be a game changer for the the Marvel world and cinematic universe, especially, I think, for, for some of the younger female fans as well. Yeah, we weren't sure how she was going to be, what the reception was going to be to Captain Marvel. Um, I think a lot of people are learning, learning who she is for the first time, um, and for the longtime fans, they're excited to see her brought to life uh, through Brie Larson. And we were able to uh, debut her, her, her you know, quote-unquote Parks version, uh, here on the Disney Cruise Line this week. And so uh, when she showed up in the Heroes Unite show and she got the response that she did and to see the lines for people to go and meet her, um, really overwhelming, really exciting can't wait for the film uh the you know right now there's a great book by the way by margie stoll uh the life of captain marvel which i strongly recommend you know you guys check out um so just yeah captain marvel is going to be it's going to be an exciting year for captain marvel for sure to see how this all plays out in the same way we were thinking about black panther last year you know black panther had shown up in captain america civil war 
had a you know just a huge response off of that film. I had read the script for Black Panther, the film. I knew it was awesome. It was one of my favorite scripts I'd ever written or uh, written read. Uh, I didn't write back then, um, but uh, I just I knew that movie was going to be awesome. I had no idea it was going to yeah. become the cultural milestone that it did. Um, and so I think we all have fingers crossed, high hopes for uh, Marvel Studios Captain Marvel film. But yeah, I mean seeing. Seeing her this week on the ship and seeing the response has been just a lot of fun. Very gratifying. And, and she was the 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 real life version of her. Looks like she stepped off the screen as most of the characters. But I watched the same way I watched new Marvel fans in the theaters at Black Panther. I think we're going to see that same thing in terms of young girls coming in costume because they want to be. Because now this is the person that they can not just relate to but this is the person that they want to be able to dress up and, and go to the movies as yeah and you know I think there's a, there's another great um, animated series slash film that we have out right now called Marvel Rising in fact I saw a couple of girls dressed up as Squirrel, Squirrel Girl. Girl I know I couldn't believe it and I looked at my wife and I'm like what world are we in <laughs> like how are we here where that little girl can go with mom and dad and buy a Squirrel Girl costume, and that's a thing that exists. Like, this is this is the time. Like it's so great. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think you know, it, it's a great time for for girls and boys uh, of all ages to get into get into Marvel. I think there's a lot of up and coming characters. Captain Marvel's obviously one of them. Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, uh, America Chavez. There's you know some really great characters that are on the rise. No pun intended. Uh, from Marvel, so you know a lot of great. I mean, and how about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse with Stop. with with Ghost Spider and Miles Morales? I mean, what a what an amazing achievement that film uh, was, and you know bringing uh, broader awareness to Miles Morales and what a what a great character he is. So it's it's just fun, man. It's this is this is cool stuff. It is like you said. It's it is an amazing time to be a Spider-Man fan. Look into the Spider-Verse. I think is when I use words like groundbreaking, it is not just in terms of the storytelling, but the visuals. That, to me, was the first true comic book movie because it looked like the pages, the little Ben Ray dots and, and the, 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 the bleeds. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is spect... Again, I'm doing it again. But it is. It's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you took the words out of, my, out of my head, out of my mouth. Um, it is a comic book brought to life. And you know when they had me, Lou? It's when I saw the Comics Code Authority stamp (laughs) at the top of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm 100%. I'm with you. Uh, It was such a love letter to Spider-Man comics and film and even games. I mean, even the the, the suit from the Spider-Man game makes an appearance. I mean, just, yeah, it, it was... It was amazing, yeah. spectacular, sensational, all the things. All it is, and, yeah. and so you talking about attributes. Really I, I'm going to quickly go back because you said something yesterday you, during your presentation, which, and I'm not saying it because you're sitting here, but Nicholas and I said the same thing. Like, was a highlight of the cruise um, because I love your story and your passion and the way you tell it, and you can see it comes from love, and I and I love the fact that you opened it up talking about and and showing something for Stanley, and you said something about him that I said after his passing on the live show that he is an American icon and I think as time goes on 
now I know you're going to agree with me, but I think history is going to look back on him alongside names like Hitchcock and Spielberg and Roddenberry and Lucas and, dare I say, even Walt Disney. And I mean that, you know, as as the greatest possible uh, tribute to, to Stan and, and what he did. We would not be here in literally on the ship with at Marvel 8C and, and the MCU 10 years without what he did. Yeah, I mean, last year... Um, we did a birthday celebration uh, in LA. It was hosted by Chris Hardwick uh, for Stan um, and Todd McFarlane, uh, famous you know Spider-Man artist, creator of Spawn, was there. Um, and to- Todd is one of my all-time favorites. I mean, I grew up in you know in the '80s and '90s and reading you know reading Todd McFarlane's take on Spider-Man. So he was there and he and he talked about Stan. He said any creator is lucky if they're able to create one thing that becomes iconic and outlives them as as a as a person as a creation and stan created not just one but hundreds of iconic characters if not even thousands of iconic characters that i mean are now seen in all different types of of mediums of storytelling uh what a what a tremendous achievement and yeah i think you know all the comparisons that you made there um, George Lucas, Steve Jobs, uh, Walt Disney. Uh, I think, you know, I know I'm biased, but I 100% put Stan in that same Mount Rushmore of, <laughs> of, of, of creators that just defined, uh, to help define popular culture. Yeah. And I think, like you said, and we keep saying about it being an exciting time, I'm always excited for what the future is going to hold, the futures that, that, I, we, as Disney and Marvel enthusiasts don't know, obviously you know a lot more than we do, so you must really, like, your brains must be falling out of your head, but um, I'm, if if past performance in terms of what we have seen on screen and in the parks is any indicator, I think the next few years are going to be um, a revolutionary time for longtime comic book fans, as well as this whole new generation, young and old of comic book and, and comic book movie enthusiasts as well. I hope so. I hope so. Because, I mean, it's it's a... Uh, we're, we're blessed to have this... to carry this torch now uh, for Stan. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get, to get to meet him and interact with him on a number of occasions. And, uh, and he was, each and every time, exactly what you'd want him to be. Um, he was Stan Lee. The Stan Lee that we see on screen, the Stan Lee that we've seen at conventions. He was that guy. Um... And, he, and I've never heard or seen anybody say anything bad other than that about him. Yeah, he was so true uh, to what you what you want, and you know, self-effacing all all the time. Um, he was just he was the best, and um, you know, we're certainly sad that he's that he's gone because we just don't have him with us anymore. But what an amazing life that he led, ninety-five years old, and to do the things that he did. I mean, tremendous. Uh, so yeah, we, I think we all now carry that torch, um, you know, in our in our respective divisions, and you know, me, you know, working with all these great people that work on themed entertainment um, and the theme parks and things like that. It's it's a it's a tremendous torch to carry, but we are so excited about what we're working on and and hopefully uh, gonna deliver on the characters in completely new ways. Yeah, man, I am super excited. Very quickly, from a fan perspective only, favorite Marvel film. Fam- uh, my favorite Marvel film is kind of an unconventional choice, um, Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, I, I'm with you. 
Uh, I think that film. I mean, I'm, I'm a. I mentioned The Rocketeer early on. Uh, I'm a sucker for uh, 1940s kind of World War II era films. I love that aesthetic. I love the music. I love everything about Star Spangled Man. The way they made that costume make sense in the in the context of the world. Uh, I just thought it was so brilliant. Uh, Haley Atwell was a revelation in that film. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Evans showing up. You know, as we had only known him as. As, as Johnny Storm, and now he, suddenly he becomes Steve Rogers, becomes Captain America in front of our eyes, uh, and that score is still my favorite yep. score of all the Marvel Studios films. Uh, it's so heroic and aspirational and all those things, so yeah, Captain America the first. Now I see why you're like, hey, make sure you go see the USO show <laughs> at Fathoms, because it, it did. It played, and it was, again, it was that, that era music with the performers and then the, the surprise at the end. Is there a character that, and this is not meant to ask if you know anything, but is there a personal character that you'd love to see on screen that we've never seen on screen before? Um, well, I, I mentioned Moon Knight. You know, I mentioned Moon Knight before. I think uh, I think there's such a depth to that character um, and, and dealing with... Uh, uh, Mental, uh, mental illness and things like that, and I think could be explored in a really unique way. Um, he's such a he's a really unique character in that um, he has multiple personalities and things like that. So I think um, he's he's darker, he's a little violent. You know, I know people have speculated where he might show up, um, but I you know in one one form or another, I'd love to see Moon Knight brought to life. Well, let me say your story. Look, I'm I'm a sucker for origin stories. That's why when you said Captain America: First Avenger, like I'm with you. I, I love origin stories. I love your origin story. Like you did. You were the kid with crayon. You were a, a wee young podcaster, right? We didn't even mention yeah. like you're, right. You went from podcaster to creative director of Marvel themed, and it's been years. Like how many years since you guys did the podcast? Oh my gosh! Uh, well, Josh Shipley and I, yeah, we did the the Josh and Cross show for you know while we were at Imagineering, yeah. and we were both trying to kind of find our footing there. And so if you. I don't know if those episodes are. I they're, think they're out there. Yeah, they're still are out. they still out there? Yeah, okay. On YouTube, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, Josh is. <laughs> Josh was good about putting him on YouTube and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were just rambling and talking about nonsense most of the time. Things that were going on. So if you want a, a, a sneak peek behind the curtains of what I was thinking about at my early days in Imagineering, that's a that's a good good place to check it out. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I, I cannot tell you how much I, my son Nicholas, is is here with us too. Um, appreciate what you and the entire team over at Marvel has done um, in the parks here at sea. Um, the merchandise, the movies, the PS4 game is awesome. I agree <laughs> with you. Um, and obviously for what's to come in the future. So I, on behalf of everybody who is listening, like I sincerely, we sincerely appreciate you and everything you guys do. Well, thank you. And you know, I and right back at you. You know, I, I love what you do, and I listen to your show all the time. And. And uh, it's always fun to catch up with you at, at these various events. I was thrilled to see that you were going to be here on the ship. So uh, it's, it's always great chatting with you, man. Thanks, brother. Say that it is a marvelous time to be a Marvel fan. <laughs> Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history, or I want to see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, or hear, or maybe even taste, and if you think you know the answer, 
you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So on the last show, we were looking back at 2018, and I said, speaking of looking back and reminiscing, we were talking about the Adventurers Club and the Congaloosh, a very important phrase at that location when it was in Pleasure Island. Now it's a dessert. It's also a drink from what I understand. And I simply asked you where you could find the Congaloosh dessert, not the drink, and order and eat it. I want to thank the hundreds, probably more than a thousand of you, I think, entered last week, got this one correct, and knew that you could find it over at the Skipper Canteen in Adventureland in Magic Kingdom, which we reviewed back on show 433. It's been way too long. The menu's been changed. I need to go back and do it again for research purposes only. It's for you, not for me. I'm a giver. What can I say? Anyway, the Kungaloosh there is an African-inspired chocolate cake with caramelized bananas. It's fruit so it's healthy, and there's also cashew caramel ice cream topped with coffee dust. It's cashews. They're nuts. They're healthy, too. It's about $6. It sounds delicious. I'm starving. I need to go back and check it out again. Anyway, I took... I'm always hungry. Who am I kidding? I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. Can't even speak. I'm so hungry. And again, last week, you were playing for all of my digital products. That includes my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours at the park where I take you through the Magic Kingdom, land by land. Each uh, tour is over an hour each. Tomorrowland's even longer, talking to you about the history and the stories and the details, all with the ambient sounds of the parks behind you. All of those audio tours and the book are still on sale for just $10 each. You can go to www.radio.com and get them there. You can go to Amazon. You can go to iTunes. But I'm also going to send the winner a new WW Radio vinyl sticker. You can put it on your car, your laptop, your wall, your mirror, your forehead, anywhere. Uh, a pop socket. And just for fun, I'm also going to send a T-shirt as well. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Jack Larkin. So, Jack, congratulations. You use the online form, which means I have your shipping address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, don't sweat it, because your next chance, this is the easiest chance you have to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Not-So-Trivial Challenge. So I am in a marvelous mood. This is not the first nor the last time you'll hear me make Marvel puns as we get ready to review our Marvel Day at Sea probably in the next week or so. So I want to have a Marvel question for you. But more importantly, I want to keep it simple. I want to give you the easiest possible chance to win. Even if you haven't seen all of the films over the past decade in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even if you have never picked up or read a comic book or even bought one for your kids or your husband or your wife or whoever because this week's trivia question isn't a trivia question at all i just want to know and hear from you and give you a chance to win anyway so your question this week which is trivial but not a trivia question is this if you could be one marvel superhero it doesn't have to be from any of the films right you can you want to get geeky and pull out some guy from the comics in the 60s or Squirrel Girl or Frogman or Howard the Duck those are actually all real superheroes by the way or Adam Warlock or Beta Ray Bill or the Orb or She-Hulk or Shang-Chi or Cosmo have at it if you could be any one Marvel superhero who would it be but 
We're going to do something different this week. In order to enter, you do not have to use the online form at www.radio.com. Instead, all I need to do are two things. One, go like the WDW Radio page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash WDW Radio. Boom. That's easy. If you're already liked it, don't sweat it. Second, just go to the WDW Radio Box People group. That's www.radio.com slash community. Again, that's where the conversation happens. And I'll post this question there. All you need to do is reply to the post right there in the group. Next week, I'll randomly selected. I'll randomly select one person who commented from those that replied to that post. And what are you going to win? I, if I had somebody to tell you, I would tell you, but I don't. So it's just going to be me. I'm going to send you the books and the audio tours and the stickers and all that kind of stuff. But I also brought back some special stuff only from our Marvel Day at Sea cruise. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm going to put in your little prize package. Well, except for one thing. They had the coolest thing there. You'll hear me talk about it on the review show. But they had these little light-up Thor Mjolnir hammer ice cube things for your drink or your desk, which is where mine sits. I bought a whole bunch of them just so I can give them away. And that's what part of this week's prize package is going to include. So you have until Sunday, January 27th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com slash community. Look for the thread there in the group and you got to obviously be part of the group. Uh, join, find the thread there asking you to tell me if you could be one Marvel superhero, who would it be? There's no right answer, no wrong answer. I'm just going to randomly select one comment and I will send you your prize package out. And by the way, if you like this question, want to tell your friends, again, please help spread the word. Share it out with them as well. Tag them in the comments even better. So good luck. Not that luck is really needed, but well, I guess it does because I'm randomly selected. But So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I sincerely appreciate you. I want to thank my friend Brian Crosby from Marvel for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with him. We could have just chatted for hours. If you did, I think you're going to love something else I have for you. Brian gave me permission to video record his Meet the Marvel Masters presentation from Marvel Day at Sea. I'm going to post the entire presentation both on Facebook as well as YouTube. You can find it at wdwradio.com slash community that's our box people group and our youtube channel at youtube.com slash wwradio if you enjoy it and i hope that you do all i ask is that you please help spread the word share that with others that would enjoy brian's presentation from marvel day at sea also because i loved it so very much you'll hear just how much on the review show and i think that you will too i recorded and already uploaded the marvel heroes unite deck nine stage show the show that ends off the Marvel Day at Sea. It is phenomenal. If you are a Marvel fan or want to be one, you have to see it. I will link in the show notes over at www.radio.com where you can find it, but it's in the Facebook group, it's on the Facebook page, and it's on our YouTube channel. The Marvel Heroes Unite show in full HD, plenty of characters, tons of surprises. You do not want to miss it. Don't forget to be part of the community and conversation. Join the group on Facebook at www.radio.com slash community also, huge thanks once again for all the love and the friendship and the help and the support to everybody who is part of the WW Radio Nation family. 
I love being able to say thank you and give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some recent and longtime members of the Nation family, including Caroline Conahan, Noemi Fixmer, Jeremy Imwald, David Harrell, Christine Morrison, Michael Jane Roy, Benjamin Bobier, Ronald Webstat, Jason, last name omitted, he's like Cher, and Catherine Machowski. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show and being part of the nation helps the show so very much, but you'll also find out how you can get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts. We have a private Facebook group magic band covers logo gear you also get early access to special events monthly video group calls and lots more again visit www.radio.com support and don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contribution go to our dream team project to benefit the make-a-wish foundation of america you know the show is by for and with you i would love to hear from you if you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. Be heard on the air. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 with a question, a comment, or just a hello from the parks. I'd also love to hear from you and connect with you and share with you on social. I am at Lou Mangella on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. It's also my personal profile on Facebook. Again, don't forget to join the community and like the WDW Radio uh, box people group at www.radio.com slash community and as much as I love connecting with you and hearing from you nothing beats a handshake and a hug I want to thank again everybody who came out to our January meet of the month over marathon weekend a special huge congratulations to anybody and everybody who lined up volunteered cheered walked walked jogged or was just there in spirit over marathon weekend I am so incredibly proud of you especially everybody who was part of the WW Radio running team family. If you want to be, find out how you can join, be part of the fun and the family and the food, go to WDW Run. Special kudos and thanks and gratitude to our Make-A-Wish of America family. Our dream team project benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Everything we do contributes to that, and we have raised more than a quarter of a million dollars for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. That is all because of your love and generosity and support. And this weekend, once again, over Marathon Weekend, we had the privilege of of meeting one of the children and families that you helped make happen. And it's incredibly um, uh, moving and wonderful and rewarding to be able to see how what you and what we do together benefits a, a, a true um, a, a child and their family. Uh, to find out more, visit dreamteamproject.org. Uh, also, uh, our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World will likely be over Princess Marathon weekend. That's February 23rd or 24th. Stay tuned to the events page over at www.radio.com slash community. You can also find out about other upcoming events. We have two spots left officially for our trip to Japan, our adventures by Disney to Japan this October, our cruise from New Orleans on the Disney Wonder. Oh yeah, I can't wait for that. In February 2019, we have other events we are going to announce very, very soon as well. Also stay tuned as I'll be announcing some other meetups, not not just in Walt Disney World, but on the road as I travel to speak, including San Diego this coming March at Social Media Marketing World. 
But visit LouMangelo.com to also find out how I might be able to help you, whether it's by coming to speak to your business, your conference, or your school, or working with you one-on-one or in small groups. I'm about to launch another weekly mastermind group uh, in evenings every week. Find out more, visit LouMangelo.com. There you'll also find out about my Momentum Weekend Workshop and Mastermind September 28th and 29th in Walt Disney World. Whether you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, have an idea, have a blog, or just want to find out how you can turn what you love into what you do, our weekend workshop might just be the thing. And oh, by the way, it's also during Food and Wine Festival because, hi. Uh, thanks, as always, to Becky Menken and really her entire team over at MouseFanTravel.com. It's my official and recommended provider. It's who I use. It's who I trust. And it's who why I am so comfortable and confident recommending to you whether you're going to any Disney destination or anywhere in the world Becky and her team of agents are going to give you incredible service all available discounts they go the extra mile for you and the hallmark of what they do is the level of personal and personalized service just for you visit them over at mousefantravel.com go to celebrationspress.com subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine and as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, and I hope we do get to meet in person because truly nothing needs a handshake a hug. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. That's how our community and our family grows and grows the right way. And if you like this week's show or any past show, do me a favor, share it over on Twitter or Facebook or in your favorite Facebook group. Please rate and review the show over on iTunes. It's incredibly helpful. It takes like 30 seconds. Thanks to you. We have over 2,000 five-star reviews. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Jelly with lots of different E's who says Lou and his friends are travel companions. Lou doesn't know it, but he's my most frequent passenger. Well, I know now. I listen to Lou as I drive to school to keep my anxiety at bay. I also listen to Lou as I drive to my boyfriend's house. I can fit in an episode with a trip there and back. It's so enjoyable to feel the magic as I'm counting down to my next visit. Thanks, Lou, for bringing me back to my home away from home on all my drives. Ellie, Ellie, thank you. I hope to meet you on one of your upcoming visits. Ben P. 18 from the United Kingdom says it's a wonderful podcast. I'm now going to read this in my mind with a British accent. I'm a former and hopefully future Walt Disney World cast member and absolutely love the WW Radio podcast. My favorite, with a U, episodes are the top tens with Tim and listener emails with Becky. I would definitely consider myself an expert in the small details of the Florida parks. However, I'm always learning something new through listening to Lou. I listen to the podcast on my way to work each week and always brightens my day. Thanks, Lou, and keep up the great work. And that's from Ben in the United Kingdom. Karen SG says, bringing the magic wherever you may be. My family and I have been listening to the podcast for several years. Lou has so much knowledge about Disney, but as important, his podcasts are interesting, compelling, and fun. Big letters. From trivia to top tens and all sorts of reviews, mostly dining, Lou's podcasts make you feel like you're listening to a friend. Yar. His Facebook page carries through that spirit of community as well. It's by far my favorite of all the Disney podcasts I listen to and the only one I listen to regularly. And Abazaba, that's an awesome name, says, one of my favorite hours-ish every week. I eagerly await the notifications that Lou has uploaded a new podcast. I've been listening for about six years now. Wow, that's a lot of Lou. I love your passion for food, Lou, as this is also one of my favorite things about visiting Disney. Given how expensive things are, it's, ex- it's important to have accurate expectations when heading into a restaurant. And Lou never disappoints in providing a food lover's view of dining experiences at Disney. 
thanks for providing a little bit of Disney magic for us every week. And M. Desi says, it's just like being in Disney. Lou does an incredible job making his show informative and fun. His podcast has got me through some really gloomy times. Oh, one more. C.P. Murphy says, it's my favorite. I love the podcast. I always feel like a little bit of Disney magic is brought into my car when I listen to it. Keep it up. C.P. Murphy, I will. M. Desi, Abazaba, Abazaba, whatever. Karen, Ben, and... Ellie, thank you all so very much. If you want to review the show, please go to iTunes, search for WW Radio, or just go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I love and appreciate you. You, whether you know it or not, inspire me every single week. This past weekend, even more so. I was so inspired by the runners, by our Make-A-Wish child, all the families and maybe that's my question for you this week, right? I want you to think about who inspires you the most, right? And, and that answer, there's no right or wrong answer. It's personal and it's unique to you. And maybe it's going to help you understand what it is about that person that inspires you and what qualities they have that you also want to strive for. I'm going to post this question actually on my Facebook at facebook.com slash I would love to hear your answer. Once you get it, I'll post it early this week. Thank you. I love you. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you. And if there's ever anything I can do to show my thanks, please let me know. I hope that this is your best week ever. And until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is the Richardson family. Veronica, Ashton, and Brooke. Hey, we just got back from our vacation to Disney World, our latest one. This has been our seventh trip. And this is the first year after I found the Lou Mangello WDW radio broadcast. So we did a lot of new things that we'd never done before, even after seven trips, like the Tiki Room, American Adventure, Journey into Imagination, Eat Popcorn, Had a Dole Whip, all those things that Lou recommends you do that made the trip even better. So I want to thank you for your podcast and uh, that I discovered about this time last year after our last trip. And I want to thank you personally. Uh, for what you did for my family while we were there. So uh, you're a great guy. It's a great broadcast, a uh, po- great podcast. So keep it going, and uh, keep moving forward. Thanks. Hey, Lou, this is Jim Smith calling from Hanover, Mass. Uh, hey, I'm just calling. I just listened to your wrap-up show from 2018, the Best Of Show. and uh, I just want to say, so I joined the Box Group back in, maybe it's late November, early December. I've been listening to the podcast for several years. I just joined the Box Group. And I've really been enjoying some of the interactions that I've been having with, with some of the members. It's just such a group full of of uh, welcoming positivity and hope to share the interests that I do and that we all do. Uh, so just wanted to let you know I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, and I also wanted to mention, so like over the years, I've I listen to your podcast. I love it. And then, you know, there's not another one for a week or so. Uh, so here and there I dabble and I look and I find other podcasts because I want to get, you know, just some more information about Disney. Just to, I just want to listen to more of it. And I've, I've tried a few others. And, you know, they tend to all go for, like, the morning radio show vibe. And it's okay. They're entertaining enough. But when I listen to your podcast, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm riding to work with a friend or if I – if I take you with me when I go for a run, I feel like I'm going for a run with a friend. You know, I feel that about you. I feel that about your guests when you have Becky or when you have Tim Foster on. 
it's uh it's different it's better it's more enjoyable it's more familiar uh and i just enjoy the vibe that you bring and the positive attitude that you bring to the experience uh so i just want to say thank you for that uh and thank you to all the folks in the box group who i've had some real meaningful interactions with so far i don't live too close to disney so I don't get there too often, but I can be there in spirit a lot more now than I have been before. Uh, so I thank you for that, and I thank all the folks in the box group that I've had some some good, meaningful interactions with. Uh, appreciate it all, and I will continue to listen, continue to read, continue to post, and continue to be a part of this awesome group. So thank you all. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou Mangello. It's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, PA. And Chase Mars and her son from Flower Town, PA. Oh. <laughs> I'm listening to the latest podcast and um, cracking up with my daughter, who we're talking about the Latrobe, Pennsylvania meet, and we were the ones that drove from from Philadelphia in a Fiat, and we almost ran out of gas, and then there were bees in the car. And then my little Fiat could not make it up the hills in Latrobe. I have never driven such hills in my life. But it was a great trip. We had so much fun meeting you in Latrobe. It was well worth it, and we we had a bunch of laughs. Um, My favorite movie of 2018 was Infinity War. I loved it. I just watched it again the other night. Um, So many laughs, so many tears. Really looking forward to Captain Marvel. I'm also looking forward to the streaming service. We just, as of today, canceled our cable and just going to Wi-Fi, and we're going to be streaming everything. So um, I'm really looking forward to that because my son has been working his way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he's uh, almost done. Um, it's, a, it's a great feat. I'm really proud of him for doing that. I'm loving your recap show. I'm not quite done with it, but getting late and um also i wanted to thank you that this year also for me i started my own business thanks to my family and you listening to your podcast really inspired me to go ahead and make the leap and it's doing very well i actually spoke to you a little bit about it in latrobe very briefly but it's going well almost more than i can handle but not quite enough to quit my day job. So um, I'm working really, really hard, and every time I think it's going to be impossible, I just keep thinking of Walt and his quote, uh, keep moving forward, and that's what I uh, am trying to do. So thanks to you, started my own business, and um, this is a long message, so I'm going to go ahead and hang up. Everybody have a great week, and make somebody smile. Say goodbye, Chase. Goodbye. I'll talk to you on Fortnite. Fortnite. Oh, Fortnite, please. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. And I am calling in to say I am doing the single-digit dance of eight days. We actually got two feet of snow last night. So I'm hoping that the snow is over so my flights are fine next week. (laughs) And you have now, oh, good gracious me, the Japan trip is 266 days away, and the New Orleans sailout is 382 days away. Uh, I would love to be in New Orleans at least once to maybe even just see it and experience that city. 
just for one or two nights. So hopefully I'll be able to drive up there. I'll talk to you real soon. Have a magical day. Love and hugs and stay warm, everyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Batman is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. You know, I thought we were having a moment. I was having 12% of a moment. There's only one god, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Well, let me know if real power wants a magazine or something. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day.